And with that touching conclusion, it looks like the Keepers of Light have learned the secrets of the lost faith, as well as the meaning of friendship. Will this unearthly insight draw unwanted attention to our champion-ranked heroes? Or will the dangers of this truth come from... Out of my way! Out of my way! Out of my way! Come on! Oh, no, 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 no! I'm here! <laughs> and you got Storm. <laughs> Within. Joining me now in the booth is the tenacious but tardy Stormclad Thundertongue. Sorry, folks. Been a busy day for old Stormclad. Storm, I just have to come right out and ask, what in the worlds are you wearing? Oh, this? Why, this is a giant foam sword costume. I'm Clayton the Claymore. Ha <laughs> ha! Beloved mascot to all. That just creates more questions. Storm, I'm really confused. You're coming from work? This is your job, co-host of the LUQ. And now you're dressed as a giant sword? Look, Kip, let me level with you. I just needed a part-time job. Storm, you have to be one of the wealthiest orcs in the Five Kingdoms. You're a huge celebrity. Right, right, but after my last house payment and some minor legal fees, all my theoretical wealth is tied up in investments. You mean you're broke? No, no, no. Just not all my funds are liquid right now. Look, I'm not an idiot with money. Just a little excitable at times. Anyway, I needed some walking around dosh to maintain my Thundertongue lifestyle, so I took part in some part-time work at Stabbing Steve's Sword Arm Emporium. I show up, put on the Clayton costume, bring people inside. They get the benefit of a celebrity spokesman as they're talking sword, which helps draw the crowd, and I get paid a decent wage to work out in the sun, meet interesting people, and I mean, hell, I love swords and dancing. Plus, I get an employee discount on any blade in the house. Huh. Well, as long as you enjoy it, and we can make sure that you aren't late for this job in the future, I'd say that sounds great. Totally, totally. One-time thing. I'll only be doing this for a few weeks anyway. As a side bonus, I had a pretty weird teenage life over the academy, military, and some questionable life choices, so this is like my first teenager job. So I'm getting an extra large slice of life experience pie with a dollop of whip fun. Well, good for you, Storm. While we get our big friend changed back into his suit, let's take a trip to the pivotal dimension of Abel to see how the Mortal Dawn are faring after fighting their way out of a chaotic forest of hands. Wait, why can't I just wear the sword? We'll be right back. The Mortal Dawn is ejected from the gripping wield, and as you pass through the fog cloud, you return to your natural form, no longer a dinosaur, Harothax. You lose your skeletal limb companion as it diverges and goes a different direction. And then you step out into a massive opening. There are so many unique and unimaginable sights to behold in this new place. It's impossible to put them all to words, but we will try. You are on a piece of floating earth, there are hundreds of others, some upside down. All of them have people, creatures on them, and each seems to obey its own rules regarding gravity. Everything is floating in a pink void laced with black swirling clouds. It's like a sphere, but only to your eyes. From the top, there is a point jutting downward. It's a city, wrapped around it like a cone. A city so vast, each district is like a single speck of paint on a mural. There is another point facing upward. It is another city, just as vast, almost identical. But the more you focus, the more differences you see. The points almost meet in the center, like an hourglass, narrowing down to the smallest conceivable speck. 
This is the point that everything seems to orbit. These two points are surrounded by thousands of satellites of stone, each housing cities of its own, connected and dancing around this column in wide circles. Other shapes join them. Some look like warships made of stone and metal. Some are living creatures in flight, weaving around the floating city disks. Others are something in between. The piece of land that you are on seems to be moving towards the lower point, with several more in front of it and several more behind. They're in a queue, waiting to enter the infinite city and return to their place on the outskirts. It takes all of your grit and mental capacity to let go of your preconceived concepts of weight, gravity, volume, and space. And once you start to let go, it really is quite beautiful. Pickens takes a deep breath and wipes away a tear. Abel, ha, fuck, I hate it here. <laughs> we will enter together and stay together is best. This place always changing. Every moment one district gets larger, the population increases. Always as big as it needs to be. Uh, more minds to conceive means more city to explore. We will not need to fly to get about from one to the other. There is always another path. You just need to know the way. Pickens knows many ways. Uh, most newcomers take years of being lost to make it back home again. It's like a coming of age for many. But we don't have time for that. You stick with me. And the flat disk of Earth you're on seems to meld with more land connected to the lower spire, leaving your feet on a new surface and passing through it like a ghost, only to emerge out the bottom and return to its trajectory. It seems like on your way to this place, you were inside of an impossibly big marble, but now you can't see the borders anymore. And you feel like you're back on land. The sky is a warm pink. The black smoke is now clouds. And there are things you're pretty sure are actual trees. Even a strange green ocean off in the distance. Many other outsiders from other worlds travel in groups, funneling in along carved paths towards the city wall. You see something you didn't register before. When you look out towards the green ocean, you thought maybe there were pale mountains in the distance. But it's something else. A carving of a humanoid body, nude and nearly featureless and glistening. Its entire mass reclines in a comfortable position along the very horizon, and it's holding a book in its hand, open. And it doesn't take much focus to realize that it's not a statue at all. And as though in slow motion, a hand reaches up to gently turn one of the pages, and though it must be hundreds of miles away, you feel a slight breeze brush through your hair. Nobody else seems to be looking that way. Pickens nods and... Uh, sometimes, gods... From other worlds, come here to uh, relax. Uh, take break from divinity. We try not to pay attention to them. They hate that. What? You can do that? They come here to be ignored. Uh, it's kind of unwritten rule. So, eyes forward, please. And uh, the group passes among the masses into the city. There are many gates, but no guards. The walls themselves have carvings of abstract faces along them, with eyes that seem to follow each that pass, as though every person entering has a designated watcher. In every direction you look, there's city. Towers on top of older towers. Bridges connecting floating districts. The sky is full of more top-down views of cities, as though you're looking at them from upside down. There's so many smells, it's hard to register them as good or bad. 
the air tastes almost expired. Everything is well lit, but again, you can't find a light source. And time of day immediately becomes a foreign concept. And creatures of all kinds fill the streets. Some towering demons. They stand and barter with a frogman, selling a basket that looks like it's full of white lava. Huge tentacled creatures are slicing off pieces of their own body, folding it onto skewers and expelling fire from one of many orifices and exchanging it for an array of bizarre currency. A pair of tall blue humanoids speak to an ethereal horned creature, and one pulls a silver hair out of their head and hands it to him. He consumes it and reaches out to touch them, and the group vanishes in a puff of light. You pass by businesses of every conceivable style. People and creatures selling strange alien stones, or maybe fruits. One storefront is filled with books that seem to be alive. There's a large metallic building that seems to be selling tiny identical versions of itself. Now, since this is a world of infinite possibilities and endless imagination, I would like each of you to describe for me one of the businesses you pass by. Whoever would like to go first. There's no particular order needed. You see what looks like a marble ruin, columns surrounding it. Inside, there are dozens and dozens of shelves. On each shelf, there are hundreds of small spheres, swirling colors with images vaguely indistinct within. In the center of it, there's an open space. You see a man with multiple hands and a face on every side of its head. Reach up, grab one of these orbs, and hand it to a customer that looks like a strange rat person with only one eye on the top of its head. It takes the orb and swallows it. Immediately, the empty space within turns into what looks like a living room. The rat man who had just swallowed the orb turns and begins having a fervent, furious argument with what must be a family member. It drops to its knees, weeping, as the image dissolves. A moment later, it stands up and hands him some currency before walking out. Excellent. As we continue, we pass an open market square where life-size canvases are laid out and a queue of people are lined up waiting for one-on-one instruction with a proprietor. A a simple sign in front reads, Nolzers. And as they paint life-size portraits, when they're finished using the pigments, they can reach inside of the canvas and pull out an exact living replica of the being they've just painted. Nice little deep cut. So before you, you see an older woman with long hair across what would be her face, no mouth, no real nose to speak of, just a couple of hands, one folding paper, one writing on it, and as she finishes each one, they seem to kind of come alive. So to each one of the group members that passes by, we see these little animals march in line, like with one of us, a little little bird lands on Christ. A little bear walks up to Arvid. When they reach their their destined person, they unfold themselves, dying like a beautiful flower. And to each person, they see the words of the last words of their loved one. What the fuck? (laughs) It's the feel-bad lady. Into magic origami. (laughs) That's great. I love it. That's a good image. 
I have loved all of these very much. And you can see in the distance a giant revolving mechanism, kind of like a lazy Susan, but with several pieces that pivot up and down containing what looks like some kind of mounts, though they do not necessarily look like they're living. And you see a large carapaced creature offer another smaller carapaced creature, uh, one of them from within. And you can see that it looks like they've also uh, got a spot for returning these things. Cute. Very wholesome. Wholesome. Mm You sounded really excited about another, but it, I, if you want one, I, mean, I, can, I don't want to break the pattern if it bugs them, but I, I can go like this all day. I could just do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I simply imagine uh, a featureless, long-limbed creature shouting what sounds like patter, but in a thousand languages at once. And as people approach, you see that the patrons are missing limbs. They look old or tired. They look weak or scared. They look injured or wounded in some way. And one by one, he reaches into their heads as light bursts from the wound. And from them, he pulls a cloud. And as soon as he does, whatever aspect of themselves they wanted gone is now gone, as though pulling the memory of what happened to them from their spectral body. Mm. Neat. You pass countless businesses like this. Most of what you witness looks like business, some sort of marketplace or perhaps a strip mall. Endlessly, you haven't made eye contact with anything residential yet, but the concept of what you're not seeing is vast and unspeakable. Pickens seems to know where he's going in this area. He leads you down side streets, turning left, then right, without following any kind of markings. And he seems to sniff the air every once in a while. Occasionally, he'll even wave at a figure that seems to recognize him. Other times, he will pull up his collar and kind of hide his face when passing by certain businesses. And eventually, you arrive at a very tall building that, to you, would be several floors tall, but it doesn't look like this kind of architecture takes concepts like floors into consideration during its design. It's simply tall, and there are windows, their placement somewhat random. And there is a sign on the front that almost looks like tiny silver lines that rotate and click and when you make eye contact with them it seems as though they turn and shift into a language you recognize and the words say the stolid void and pickens turns to you and says as i say every world pickens been has bar (laughs) stolid void pickens favorite strange place but owner is friend owner has my skiff the uh, Elmen Dagger is her name. The ship, not the honor. But we must uh, make a small contribution to enter. Do not worry about it. Just follow my lead. And uh, there is a figure standing out front in the position where you would expect a bouncer. But for the most part, it is just a massive lion's head with one eye. That seems to be most of the body. There are three hovering unattached hands just sort of float around it and old ruined wings on its back incapable of flight pickens gives it a bow and says ah reinhardt old comrade fine to see you and it says pickens if you wish to enter you must give me a contribution what do you offer to me pickens kind of leans back in sidebars and says long time ago reinhardt was Kind of like demigod. Retired. Now he likes uh, personal tributes. Uh, 
Reinhardt, to you, my good friend, I offer the first piss in the morning off the deck of a ship, warmed by sun, dried by wind. And Reinhardt nods his giant lion head and says, This is good and honorable. I thank you, Pickens. Enter, please. And he turns and waits for you all. Something personal that matters to your heart. He loves that. Uh, I give you uh, brushing your dog in the morning. <laughs> the feeling of, uh, of, of, of that bond that you get from grooming your uh, charge. Woof, woof. <laughs> and he makes eye contact with Morty first and then up to you and says, This is a kindness. Thank you. Did I just actually give that away or is that, am I just sharing an experience as he walks in? <laughs> <laughs> you, you will honor him with it. It is still yours. I offer you the first tooth of a fledgling growing into an adult. This existence in your future is clouded, but I will hold you to it and look forward to your contribution. I walk inside. I'm like, wait, do we actually have to give him these things? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just sharing fun personal things. <laughs> I don't want to have kids. <laughs> oh, no. I offer you the joy of a crowd, uninspired but looking for something better than themselves. I offer you the smile on children's faces. A forgotten delicacy. I thank you. Chris, did he just tell you he eats children? I think he did. I think he did too. I look inside past him. What do I see? You see the makings of what looks like a raucous crowd kind of segregated off into different groups of species, things like that. But it also rounds a corner. So you only can see like a little corner of one wall. But you hear, it's hard to describe it as music, but there is a noise coming from inside. I look back over my shoulder at the rest of the town. I turn back to him. I give you an inevitable and final farewell to old friends. Mm, A sad flavor, but precious, rare, I accept. And I walk in. I thought you were going to just walk off and introduce a new character. (laughs) (laughs) So, the mortal Don, having pleased the retired demigod, Reinhardt, proceed into what is called a tavern. But being partial owners of a bar themselves does not prepare them for what they're about to experience. As you enter the stolid void, you are assaulted by visual and olfactory information. Various humanoids and supposedly sentient creatures are pressed shoulder to shoulder at a variety of different geometrically designed tables. And many clear glass compartments are in the tall, dark walls. They're filled with more alien creatures illuminated by dull pink and blue lights. Hoses descend from the ceiling in places. And occasionally a creature will grab one, place it into what you assume is a mouth, and consume whatever is being siphoned through. Some corners more resemble the kind of bar you're used to, where humanoids sit and talk to one another. Some of them have beverages in their hands, some of them smoking from elaborate mechanical wall fixtures. This place is huge. The floor space is kept very clear as beings shuffle in and out. It's hard to tell how many floors tall this place is, as it's clearly built without the concept of floors in mind. And where you would expect a bar, there is a kind of cage, built from almost coral-like textured stone. 
Behind it, there's a large centipede creature whose insectoid legs and long, delicate hands end with eight fingers each. And it seems to have a head on each end, both looking in different directions surveying the bar. Sitting on the middle portion of the centipede, like a chair, is the closest thing to a human this bar has to offer. Perhaps an elf, or an eladrin, but so covered in piercings and leather, it's hard to tell where the elf stops and the armor begins. <laughs> they have a mean look on their face, but they definitely seem to be in charge. And Pickin steps out across the floor and says, Ah, ha-ha, Iziboshi, my old friend. And they retort, Pickens, you have quite some stones showing your face in my presence again. Ah, Iziboshi, I'm here for the dagger. I left it with you. You left me in it as you fled the men trying to kill us. <laughs> it's mine now. What? I thought we were allies. How many times have I pulled your ass out of the fire? You're the source of most of the fires my ass has been in. <laughs> and he turns and says, uh, May need a minute. Go, relax. Have good time. Is stolen void. Drinks on, on me. I have a tab. Christ, I'll drink if you drink first. Sure. Let's let's do this. And uh, this large centipede with a kind of humanoid face and lots of very finely digited hands going down its torso kind of leans to the edge of the bar, almost pressing its face against the rails. And you just hear a voice in your head that says, What is your pleasure? Oh. Gross. Oh. <laughs> oh. You don't have anything that tastes like that. Fine. Oh, what about... Uh, and then Chris conjures up a memory of the first time he had drinks with his teammates. Uh, that that's first sip of bourbon. And he's not. it's not like he's looking for that bourbon. He's looking for that feeling. Hmm. So anything that he could offer close to that is what he's looking for. Memories are very expensive, but... In stock. Oh. If you can afford it. I mean, it's on his tab. <laughs> Understood. One memory of the first drink with allies. One. Yes. A hose descends from the ceiling. And it feels <laughs> like it's got like a pocket of like sand in it. Like when you grab it, like it has a grit, a texture. Mm-hmm. Well, I better save for this. And it seems to have a fairly usable mouth fixture. You think extra mouths could fit around it if they needed to. Hmm. Um, and immediately the sand pours into your mouth and it feels hot and dry. But then it melts and it's warm. It has chocolate notes. It has wood. It has the smell of books. But it all transmutes into this one singular flavor you had of a cherry bourbon when you first met the Mortal Dawn. And you were getting to know them as they were right before you were attacked by a strangely drugged, enraged humanoid. Oh, I think we're going to like it here. I don't know if I want the same drink. <laughs> People from your world tend to order. Uh, he pulls out a bottle, and it, it looks like just a clear liquid. This is the closest to your world's imbibements that we carry regularly. Grain neutral, smooth, flavorless almost. Uh, yeah. Okay. Arvid says to him, is it always a hose method delivery or will you pour that out of the bottle into something? Four of the hands reach below the bar and each one's holding a different sized cup. 
and he almost holds them out to you to have you pick one. Oh, can I smell it first? <laughs> yeah, smells it and makes a determination on the size based on the smell because that's what you should probably do to not get tanked. It smells very strong, um, but very flavorless. Uh, you're guessing that if you were a human, you would want probably the second or smallest, but since you're Arvid, you could probably handle the third. Yeah, let's push the envelope. <laughs> and he slides it through the coral bars out to you. This has been Drinking Sounds with Law. <laughs> it's it's warm, um, and it tastes almost like nothing, but immediately, it's it's like concentrated tipsiness. You feel it right off the bat. This is how it should be. This is the right way. This is the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything from Silverax? No, and my condolences. I'll take bartender's choice then. I drink the hose. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a stew. All right. It's definitely a liquefied protein. There's a lot of flavor going on. And some of the spices are very exotic. Um, it's, it's spicy for a moment, but you get poultry, you get game. Uh, you're pretty sure you taste a little bit of predator in there too, but it's just a strange slurry of meats. This is a new experience, but not unpleasant. <laughs> and it fucks you up just a little. <laughs> so he just kind of presses up against, and a moment later, the thing supplies two glasses. One, a pale yellow liquid that seems to glow with the light of a sun. And the other, a thick, viscous red liquid. Opaque. Shoot him back to back? <laughs> I uh, take a drink of the the red one grimace a little bit and then drink the glowing one what do you feel like you experience the red one is very familiar it's my own blood hmm. and immediately followed by a shot of sunlight interesting concept to put your own blood on pickens tab i like it <laughs> so as you are finding a spot to relax for a bit to call it a table with chairs is an insult to tables and chairs, but it is a comfortable place. And you're worried at first that it might be noisy in here. Hey man, you want to take a load <laughs> off? You should have brought Chester with you. There's a chair wherever you go. Put your drink right up on me. <laughs> I got cup holders. <laughs> All of the tables in this place. <laughs> All mimics. No, that'd be weird. Also cool. You're worried that it might get really noisy in here, but despite the fact that there's all of these groups talking in all of these different elevations throughout the bar, you realize that the sound is managed very carefully, probably magically. It's not that you can't hear the conversations. It's just that they never raise past a certain decibel. There are a couple of times when it's clear that a loud conversation is happening, but it's more your eyes that get the attention than your ears. And you can see a heated debate happening at the bar between Pickens and Izzy Boshi, this strange leather clad elven creature. The other is happening across the bar. There is a trio that seem to be taking the primo space. If you were to pick a spot on the floor, that's like the choicest of tables, a very large creature that resembles a tree moving about with a long neck and a head, like just way up near the leaves of the tree and long arms, just fling someone out of their chair and uh, takes a seat behind it. And two companions sit on each side. One of them looks like a dwarf, but made of metal. 
Their beard is fire and sparks. Their eyes are glowing with heat. And the other one doesn't so much sit as it does hover lower to the ground, as it seems to just be a, a sphere of glass surrounded with metal and engraved with runes. And there's some kind of gas floating inside and mechanical tendrils that come out of it like limbs of an octopus. And a face sort of presses against the glass from the mist, some sort of entity inside of this gas. And everyone seems to be giving them a wide berth. There is a moment when the figure gets flung to the side that the door opens and Reinhardt steps in and the tree kind of lifts its hands and sits down and Reinhardt stares him down and then goes back outside. Seems like you must do that a lot, huh? Harthax comes back to the table with four drinks. He's like, I ordered this one more round. <laughs> the same? No, no. This is something I've never had before and I don't know why anyone would ever drink it, but it's called a beef fizz bottoms up. <laughs> 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 Well, I'll try anything twice. <laughs> it's very interesting. It why does the lemon make it slimy? <laughs> oh, why did I do that? I slide my two glasses to Chris. I slide the glass over and just, whoops. No, no, I slide my glasses to you. What I'm oh. drinking. Oh, what you're drinking. Oh. Do you call it a, a red sky or a bloody sunrise? I didn't say what they are, so you don't know what they are yet. Uh, well, they, one looks like blood and one looks like light. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, weird place, weird drinks, bottoms up. One then the other. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So which, 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 which one first? The red, then the white. All right. Harithax um, is smirking just a little looking at the red one. I wink at Harithax. <laughs> I close the nictitating membrane at you. <laughs> Chris does, no, does not notice his cheers. Takes a shot of the red one. Definitely blood. <laughs> it seems to have more to it than you would think you would get from the flavor. You've bitten your tongue. You've seen a wound. You've smelled the copper. Why does it taste mushroomy? <laughs> <laughs> and then takes a swig of this gold. It's hot. It hurts mm. badly. It feels like it incinerates your tongue for a moment, but also heals it completely. I, I don't know how to feel about that. Arthax, <laughs> would you like to try? Uh, sure. <laughs> Anything to get this slime out of my mouth. Arthax, <laughs> is it refilling or are we just all sipping off the drink? Just a sip. Okay. Arthax will drink a good mouthful of blood and just unfazed like Harithax doesn't even flinch at the flavor of blood and then kind of looks at this at the the gold liquid interesting choice I thought about ordering starlight and I take a drink of that it's it's bad at first <laughs> you experience the same but it doesn't feel fully healed it feels like it's fighting to get out I I put it down and I kind of push it towards both of the drinks towards Arvid and I go I hope it's not one of those things that feels the same coming out as it does going in slurry <laughs> 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 sunshine out your that's, ass that's, <laughs> that's not gonna be pleasant uh, don't let Morty have it <laughs> uh, I just watched those two drink are, are we sure we're not close enough that I can just skip this <laughs> up to you if you want to be a coward ah uh. <laughs> Oh, Our team cracks the first smile he's had in a while. <laughs> Come on, you have some confusion of the outside world to gain back. Take a drink. All, all right, to moths and stuff. 
<laughs> Does the same as everyone else. Um, and on the sunlight bit, it's like, ha! <laughs> That's how I feel every day. Um, I don't know if I would have picked that for my uh, my god, but cheers to your strength. <laughs> this wasn't for me. I want you to understand. Hmm. That's actually really sweet. Morty gets up on the table for a moment and sniffs it, and then <laughs> backs his nose away, and then goes over, and then goes over to the beef fizz. <laughs> Starts lapping at the glass. I chug the beef fizz. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, on. No, it's good. It's got a kind of uh, earthy aftertaste with a ginger. Is this ginger? Tastes like ginger. <laughs> also, I just can't imagine like literally the worst burps. <laughs> yeah, oh. just, right. How um, Morty got acid breath. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about dog burps. That's a whole different <laughs> category of yuck. Um, so Pickens comes back to your table having a look on his face that's a mixture of curiosity and defeat. He finds a quote-unquote seat next to you, and uh, you can see Izzy Boshi has left the sanctity of the bar cage and is standing in front of it and then moves over to the door. And uh, he says, "Uh, No, no beef fizz. (laughs) Izzy always pushes the beef fizz. (laughs) (laughs) Too many mistakes. Uh, Good news. Um, Can maybe get Dagger back. It's good. Uh, but my need to start using the gold I will pay you for the first task in getting us home. Izzy needs favor. Um, there is group. He kind of gestures towards the strange trio in the center. And uh, you can see the strange mechanical gas chamber thing grabbing a couple drinks off of nearby tables and putting them on their own. Uh, Stolid Void is meant to be for relaxing. Good place for everyone. These three are called the Tremsor Trio. Uh, Cause problems here frequently. Kind of gang. And is not right for Reinhardt to take hand to send message. Everyone fears Reinhardt. But if can have group maybe take them down a peg to show others they are weak, Izzy may return the boat. As favor to us. She's sending Reinhardt to store for Aaron. Is perfect time. Uh, you're strong. And we're not looking to kill, but bar fight. Good brawl. A show, I think, is on the menu, as they say. Well, you had me at show. Are they native? None. Harthax smiles, a big toothy grin. So maybe new gang in town has come to flex. There's a new dawn. I cannot believe my eyes. That city is some of the strangest sights I've ever witnessed. You know what that means, Gib. The MDs are in for a cavalcade of bizarre adventures and spectacles to take part in? It means I want to go. Table looks like the kind of place a big weirdo like me sets up to retire. I'd heard some things, but seeing it on scribe puts all the words to shame. I can't even imagine how much more impressive it is in person. What kind of things did you hear about Abel before, Storm? Well, me and Lily White, for better or worse, used to be pretty good pals when the penance first kicked off. 
I'd tell him war stories and monster survival tips, and he'd share all kinds of neat magical lore. I guess he spent a year in Abel during his senior term at the Arcadium. Didn't drop too many details, but apparently he's pretty buck wild. Oh, I imagine a full year in a place like that would teach one quite a lot about the reality of how the worlds fit together. Dang, I sure miss Lily White before he started totally sucking ass and being a big drama elemental. Well, maybe you'll turn around someday, Storm. People change when they get older. Eh. After I sent him packing with his wand between his legs, I don't think he'll be casting any forgiveness spells anytime soon. Little twerp tried to take my job. Again. It's true. He was a truly painfully bad co-host. Smart, but what a blustering tool. <laughs> I like it when you're mean, Kip. <laughs> Thanks, pal. And speaking of tools, let's take five to check out the ads from this week's sponsors. We'll be back with more adventure right after this break. Tonight on False Narrative, these three troubled souls have been living a lie their entire lives. The deceit is tearing their families apart, but one man may be able to set them straight. Join Dr. N. Sai Chek as he helps these troubled souls break down the lies that have them trapped. Tabitha, you are not bound to this tree. You are not a fey spirit who beguiles lost travelers and lures men to their doom. You were born in Danmere. Your family lives in Belchester. I'm afraid you're just a pseudonymph. Arthur, I know you're trying to hide your identity from the world inside your cloak and cowl. You think it makes you look rad and edgy, but that's just a blanket pulled over your head. It's a falsehood. And Sven, I'm not even sure why I have to say this, but you're a human. You're not a stringed instrument. You don't belong in courts or in the laps of skilled maidens. You're just a pathological liar. All this and more, tonight on Late Night Nexus, with False Narrative. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, my LU cuties? Zach here. I'm back in town for one whopping day before heading right back to Cleveland for work. So I figured I'd take a slice of that time to record my love and appreciation for all of you and all that you do for us. Whether you're a fan, a patron, or a legendary team member, you have our love and appreciation. Speaking of the teams, those are the Ancestors Fury, the Cultured Cutthroats, the Iron Rhapsody, the Tavern Brawlers, and this week's featured team, the Moonlight Vale. With Christian Wiseman, Jen Finch, Eerie Lunarose, and Maisie, thank you all again. After the 21st of August, I'll be back to streaming on my regular 6pm slot on Monday through Thursday, and Law and I will be starting our Heart Gold Soul Silver Soul Link Pokemon Nuzlocke. Woo! And that's on the 25th of August. We hope to see you all there. 
This chapter is insane, and I can't wait for everybody's reactions in our new LUQ fan group on Facebook. It's a space dedicated to people who love LUQ in particular, but aren't necessarily a fan of Discord. We'll have more information and refinement to it soon, but feel free to search for official LUQ group if you want to join. It's a skeleton for now, but we hope you can put some meat on its bones. That being said, we've got some big changes and exciting stuff coming way down the pipeline. It is a ways away, but we can't wait to bring it to you, and until we do, I won't waste any more of your time. Let's get you back to the action. Welcome back to League Beefs! The heroes of the LUQ are professional quest specialists, but that doesn't mean they don't totally blow it sometimes. This is your weekly highlight reel of adventuring oopsies and fantastic fumbles when our heroes totally beef it. Maelstrom's party fighter knew the noble had a stolen ring in his belt pouch and wanted to make sure he didn't put it on, so he tried to puncture the pouch with an arrow from his trusty bow. Too bad his aim was a few inches to the right and he ended up piercing his other coin bag. You know the kind I mean. Balls to the wall. The Lost Knights have collected quite a few random potions in their days on the League, so when the Cleric went to drink a potion of Detect Magic, it's not a surprise that they weren't organized and they ended up quaffing a potion of fire breathing. That orphanage is regretting stuffing their mattresses with hay, but they aren't haunted anymore. The kids are on fire. The Sons of Candor know how to have a good time, but when they party with Yun Ti, they seem to forget their manners. The bar just wanted to get a beverage but made the poor choice of trying to snag the High Priestess's sacred chalice, spilling it all over himself in the process. Looks like they learned the hard way that Priestesses of Dezeeth drink ceremonial acid. Drinks are on me. Join us again next time for more of the fumbles your family loves to see here on the Nexus Enterprise. Meet me. The Mortal Dawn has been requested to start a bar brawl with a local gang known as the Tremsor Trio, three very bizarre alien creatures that look intimidating, but clearly are problem causers at this calm bar. We're going to enter a new kind of skill challenge, different than ones we've done in the past. Kind of experimental, and we might learn a lot going through it as to whether it is a good design or a poor design, but I think we'll have a lot of fun either way. So... On the table, we have two pools of what we're going to call chits. Those four represent the Mortal Dawn, one for each of you. These represent the Tremsor Trio. They each have two. Now, the beginning of the bar fight is going to be the Mortal Dawn initiating the fight. I would like each of you to hurl an insult or goad them into conflict. And each of you will roll. And based on that number, you may start with an extra piece of tenacity, as these points will represent. Now, the goal of the combat is to outlast your opponents. We're not going to be using all of our skills. We're simply going to be using our stats. So feel free to get creative and flavor things with your spells. The options, though, are on your turn, you can either attack in the bar fight and try to harm the group physically using strength, dex, or con. You could use your constitution to take a few hits very easily and wear them out, things like that dexterity to outmaneuver them, duck under a table, and strength obviously can deliver a strong blow. Or you can use your turn to use your intelligence, wisdom, or charisma to bolster the group or kind of debuff the enemy. And what that does is it can heal you a chit for your side. 
and you're sharing one pool for the whole group. It's a, a pass-fail mechanic. We don't have to worry about using the same one that your person before you just used. We'll go in initiative order. But if you fail your roll, your group loses a point. And they get one for every rotation as a whole. So each one of you will go, and then one action will represent the three of them together. Mm. If they succeed that, you also lose a chit. So you have more options to deal them damage throughout a turn, but you also have more opportunities to lose hit points during a turn. So most of it comes down to what happens to you. And we're just going to get creative and flavorful. Am I still allowed to give inspiration? Uh, that will just count as you bolstering the group using your charisma and giving an extra tenacity point to your side of the table. Are we allowed to use the same skill or same ability back to back? Or is it like another like skill? We're just using stats and okay. there's no rules about how often you can use okay. them. Okay. Yeah, so it's I, all flavor, no, no, no rules. Right. No rules, just right. So <laughs> no rolling? There's rolling, yes. Okay. The DCs, that, that, yeah, that's what I was asking about the inspiration specifically. Just D20s. Okay. If Chris was using inspiration in this, it would just mechanically in this format work as you passing a roll and giving another chit to your side. And you okay. still have more luck. I do, yes. yes and I that do. can still be used? Yes. But otherwise just rolling? Uh, which means that I could work on against them too. I can ah. make them fail. Yeah. Right. Just keep in mind that the objective is to basically beat them up. Like, show that you are tougher than them. Show that they are uh, weak compared to this outside group and that perhaps they will be taken down a peg. But, again, we will begin with going around the table and each of you either goading or hurling an insult and adding a roll to that using either your intelligence, wisdom, or charisma based on how you feel you're directing it. And that will determine the beginning of the fight as to whether you start with an extra tenacity or the four you have. So let's go ahead and just roll initiative to get that out of the way. They're just going to go last. I'm looking forward to this sweet barroom blitz. Mm. 15 for Artyom. 21 for Christ. 8 for Harithax. Looks like I'm not initiating combat. <laughs> 10 for Arvid. So we're in the first phase, which is initiating the fight. You see the three of them, and the first to act is Christ. Chris takes... Uh, a sip of the closest thing near him. It's, it's probably beef fizz. Beef fizz, <laughs> but he's a pro, so he takes he takes a gross swig. <sighs> takes one for the team. Takes one for the team. Uh, gets really comfortable. Starts reverberating a bit and starting that unearthly chorus, and really trying to set the mood and tone and pace. It's kind of like you know hitting the jukebox before that big bar. Bar brawl. Right, right, and then back in black comes on yeah. or something. Setting the scene. <laughs> yeah. Right, so go ahead and give me your charisma roll. Okay. That is 14 total. Fantastic. Next up, we have Artyom Volkov. I'm going to thaumaturgy up a uh, miniature sun above the room, and then I'm going to slowly but you know, awkwardly kind of shielding my eyes, walk over to the tree and then just kind of hunker up behind him. Whew, and then just wipe my my brow. Okay. Oh shit. Uh, I'll let you nice. use wisdom for that one. Okay. You're incorporating some divine magic. I just love the. I, in my mind, I'm doing it like I'm trying to be goof around with him and be buddy buddy. Just kind of like warm him up. Yeah. Uh, that is a twenty-one. Twenty-one. Very nice. Excellent. You give really good shit. You know this. <laughs> Next, we have Arvid. Arvid will say to Harothax too loudly, too loudly as you do. Ah, uh, you see that that little dwarf over there. Uh, remember that time <clears throat> we met all those automatons? Do you think he's one of those? 
Bam! So solid. Wow. Might, like maybe not. He might not have human intelligence, I imply, directly at the door. So let's get a charisma roll from Arthur. Yeah, that's a straight nine. All right. Nine tallied. And ending us off for the taunting round is Harthax. Uh, Harthax will continue our too loud conversation with Arvid, and I'll say, God's above. I thought the mortal dog had bad gas, but we've never had to seal him in his own canister to keep it away from everyone else. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yes. So, I like that because it's got the musical setup and then each one of us kind of insulted each one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me a charisma roll. All right. That was that was my getting a fight started line. Twelve total. Twelve. Not great, but the line was great. No, the line was perfect. So the mortal dawn has passed the threshold they needed as a total group to start the combat with an extra point of tenacity. Woo! Yes. Hot damn. Waste tenacity. Give me them chits. Give me them tenacities. So, as was the point, you are trying to goad them into throwing the first series of blows. And that is what they are going to do. They're going to respond in kind. They all roll once, so they don't have multiple chances for success, but they act as a unit. So, from under the table, storming across what would be a dance floor in many other taverns, this metal dwarf starts storming towards Arvid. And you hear kind of this raspy, mechanically voice saying, um... I'm going to charge you top dollar to replace the pieces I tear off your ass and just sucker punches you in the stomach. When he says that, then Harithax is going to go, gee, Arvid, I think you got him pretty wound up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This tree looks down at this tiny artium under his boughs and says, you haven't seen the shade I can throw. (laughs) (laughs) And attempts to just throw a bow down on your head. Uh, And this canister of gas, the two sides kind of rotate slightly. This cloud of gas exits and just pours out immediately towards Harithax and Crist, filling your lungs with this horrible smell. And the limbs remain active for the uh, body that it exited. You had to try, Taro. Silent but deadly, (laughs) that. I'm glad somebody said it. I would have said it, too. Somebody said it. Someone would have said it. Nice. Got it. Got it. So since they have succeeded their role, they're going to remove one of your tenacity points as a group. Um, can I use luck to make them re-roll? Uh, not in this one. Okay. So that is an overall success for them. And as noted in previous skill challenges, 20s will result in twice the success regarding the chips. Okay. Rad. And Rad. ones whatnot. So that is their retaliation. RTM, you get a strong blow right on the noggin from this massive tree elbow. You two begin choking and nearly vomiting up beef fizz and RTM blood (laughs) from this gas that just tried to climb down your lungs. And Arvid, you get a strong blow just like inches above the groin. Mm. (laughs) It's a bad spot to be whacked by a metal fist. Especially he's talking about breaking off pieces. But... Now it is the retaliation round, and we are using our stats to either attack or bolster or defend. So, Chris, you're first. So bolstering just gives us another tenacity, right? Yeah, you can basically heal your group back up. All right. Yeah, let's get that, get that little bard stuff going. And I would like to do that by using my, my voice, my charisma to kind of 
I'm trying to blow back the gas awesome. a little bit. Yeah, that's perfect. Can, can, can I? Can Just I, like one like fancy like fan move. Was say, can I give you a, a mental image that I really hope you follow through with? Yeah. Okay. Can you just pelvic thrust at the gas and have your like robes just billow oh, it all oh back? Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? To make you happy, yes. Oh my god. I want to do that. I want to do that. Yes. It's a bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And you're going to use your charisma because you're obviously using sorcery magic. Oh, yeah. Pelvic sorcery. I'm going to use some luck to re-roll that. Okay. There's a five. Uh, that's a 12. It's better. That's not quite enough, unfortunately. So you don't oh. lose a chit, but the group also doesn't heal. Damn. Smash him aggressively gyrating. It's just not what? coming. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had this problem before. <laughs> so... Your thunderous voice does boom out and start to dissipate the cloud, but it immediately recoalesces and just like punches you in the face with this horrible fragrance. And you feel like it's starting to turn acidic as it gets closer and closer. I mean, yeah. Next up is Artyom Volkov. I'm going to take the last of my blood, pour Mm -hmm. it into the sunlight and say, photosynthesize this, throw it into (laughs) his face and then immediately channel divine energy to have the now liquid sunlight and blood fused with my own essence start to just burn through whatever he's got going on. Just blind him with pure radiance. Exactly. Sweet. Let's see a wisdom check. You can use wisdom to attack for this kind of thing. That's a nine plus four. Thirteen. That is enough. Oh, come on. So, scraped by. I know, I know. Come on. <laughs> He's lucking everything. So they do lose one of their tenacity points as Artyom full in the face blasts this tree with sunlight magic. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving out some bad fucking like, like, like fat Albert jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is roadhouse. Like, yeah, we're, exactly. we're good. Exactly. I'll save the clever stuff for, for, for luck. This is. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Arvid, you're next. Yay. Okay. I've thrown a wrench in gears greater than yours and then tries to toss him over the table. That is 11 total. Not quite <laughs> enough. The mass of this creature is far beyond that which you would assume for even a dwarf made of metal. It almost seems as though his feet like cling to the ground with a magnetism. I love the idea. In my head, I'm getting kind of a like uh, Arvid, Arvid trying to flip a table that's bolted down. <laughs> I just very similar. We lose one if we don't pass. Yes. Woo. If we're at, only if we're attacking. Right. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. Damn. Yeah. Like I said, you guys have more opportunities to damage them, but you also have more opportunities to lose tenacity points mm-hmm. by failing. Brutal. Okay. And that brings us to hot effects. How many around can they take? Like, if all three of them pass, could we lose all three of our remaining chits? They only get one roll around. Okay. Okay. Most um, of your chit losses will be from your own failure. From our rolls, own failure. Okay. And which they, is in effect them still beating on you. Right, right, right. Harathax is going to cough a couple of times and go, oh, I get it. The amulet or shell is to animate the dead thing that lives inside. <laughs> and then I'm going to, um, I want to use my constitution to, to throw up in mm-hmm. heavy finger quotes and just spit acid directly into this guy's now open shell as he's cracked the. Excellent. Nice. Very good. And constitution's a perfect role for that. Yeah. Um. Ah. Are we allowed to use our LUQ inspiration for this? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to use my LUQ inspiration because I rolled a six. Roll better. That's a bad roll. There we go. 20 total. Nice. 18 plus two. Very good. So as Arvid attempts to yeet this metal dwarf, it grabs your hand and kind of bends your fingers backwards. It hurts a lot. And while that's happening, Harithax, looking through the gas, vomits 
effectively the acid breath directly into the carapace that holds this gas and you melt away some of the tentacles they fall to the ground sparking and writhing on the ground i wipe my mouth and i go i hope you like beef fizz (laughs) (laughs) no one likes beef (laughs) (laughs) wonderful so we are now at four tenacity for the trio and three for the mortal dawn making it their turn They're all going to attack and retaliate as best they can, realizing that Harothax has acid inside of him. The gases clinging to you turn to this almost uh, freezing cold as permafrost begins to form on your scales. And just this horrible chilling is starting to almost necrotize the muscles on the outside of your body. It's been more than an hour since we got here, right? Okay. I'm not resistant to cold anymore. That's too bad. That would have been really funny. (laughs) Uh you are just going toe-to-toe with this dwarf. It literally stomps down on your foot, flat, flattening several of your toe digits, and uh, grabs you by your short furbolg beard and begins to pull you down to his level. And while this thing is blinded, it's kind of flailing, a series of small furry animals actually jump out of it and all land on Artyom, biting as much as they can. <laughs> what? They kind of look like uh, sheets of fabric made of fur, moving like squirrels, but the inside layer is just teeth like a lamprey. Mm-hmm. So it's like fizzy geek. <laughs> oh no. I saw that. Is it a 20? It's a 20. So we're very down to the wire on this <clears throat> one. Uh, I'd like to say, in the infamous words of Weird Al Yankovic Oh God, get him off me! Get him off me! Get him off me! Oh, Jesus, download! What an accurate reference. <laughs> but this is when I'll meet my true love and she'll say, hey, you got weasels on your face. <laughs> So, you're not the only one who can reference musicians. <laughs> the Tremsor Trio is putting the clamps to the Mortal Dawn quite, effectu- uh, quite effectively. Affectionately. <laughs> quite effectively. That too. They love this shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, this ain't their first extra dimensional bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that brings us to Chris Grant. All right. Chris looks around at what the fuck's going on. And um, he's going to he's gonna just exude and breathe out that aura of heroism to buff the party. Perfect. Give us those bolsts. Natural 20. Oh, 20. Oh, 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 Suck it. Shit. So. Suck it. This, <laughs> he does another pelvic thrust. <laughs> yes. Suck it. Uh, heroism. Just helicoptering on top of the table. <laughs> this perfect calming energy emits from Christ, energizing all of you. Your heart begins racing. You remember that Christ's music has this power. You guys are the mortal fucking dawn. <laughs> You're going to be okay. And you heal them for two tenacity points with your natural 20. Yes. Mm. Evening the playing field by a great deal. And that brings us to the weasel clad Artyom. <laughs> <laughs> weasel clad. Uh, I think, I mean, at the risk of, of doing the same again, I want to just go ahead and burst with sunlight, like, uh, do my, the equivalent of my Radiance of Dawn. Mm-hmm. And... No, no shortage of fire options, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Natural fucking 20! Fuck yeah! <laughs> Look at that, it's right, if it, if it had gone a little farther, <laughs> it would have fallen I, off. I, I was watching, oh, wow. I was like, oh my god. I was like, is it gonna be the 8? Nope. nope. So... Several branches from the tree fall to the bar floor on fire. Several furry tree weasels fall to the ground, incinerated and dead. And half of a glass and metal canister fall to the ground, being partially liquefied by the intense heat. 
at the cost of several tables and a chair. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to Arvid. Arvid grits his teeth, feeling a little in over his head, decides to swing those horns forward, um, which directly into his face, right? Hell yeah. Um, Love those horns. Big fan of the horns. There we go. Okay, that's 21 total. That nice. is a hit. So despite the fact that this dwarf is made of metal and gravity, you headbutt him <laughs> right in the fucking eyes. Ooh. And there is an actual dent right above his nose where you impact the metal and your skull is ringing, but it's fight time. You don't feel that pain. <laughs> and he seems Later. partially blinded by this. One of his eyes has rolled back into his head and part of his beard is extinguished. Harithax, you are next. All right. Looking at the sort of incinerated wreckage of the tree person and the smoldering acid soaked uh, canister guy. Um, it's obvious that the sort of metal dwarf is the only person that still really got a lot of fight in him. And I'm going to turn and look at him and I'm going to say, Hey, clockwork soldier, Arr, take a time out. And I banish him. <laughs> and I'm going to use, instead of rolling, I'm going to use my Harispex ability to treat it as though I rolled a 10. And adding my four from charisma makes it a 14. That's what you need. So (laughs) a circle of white living tendrils forms in the ground underneath this creature. And his weight immediately pulls him down through the floor. And he's gone in a poof. Now the group of three fighting against four is down to two. And you have asserted a great deal of dominance over the Trimsor trio. You realize that several other fights are starting to break out in the bar around you from the damage you've caused and just the tenacity of your fight. And you see Pickens with an object under his arm shouting to you with a thumbs up with one hand saying, let's go, let's go now. (laughs) And he dashes out the door just as you see Izzy Boshi exiting the back door with some kind of two-handed weapon in her hand that resembles a crossbow, but it's at least four feet long. All right. It's the fucking ballista. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. So the group exiting the bar fight leave uh, the stolen void. And you are running now to catch up with Pickens through the crowded streets of Abel. The Mortal Dawn watches as Pickens opens the case he's carrying. And like an oversized square frisbee, he hurls it forward towards a crowd of citizens. They leap out of the way, but the object remains in the air and quickly begins to unfold. It's like origami. It grows and transforms, building an internal skeleton of fibers and liquid metal. Pickens leaps into the air and lands on the surface as it continues to grow underneath him. Until there, in the open street, hovering three feet off the ground, is a sailing ship with a curled bronze bow, six leathery flapping fins, and a dark wood hull with dings and scrapes from years of use. Pickens grabs the wheel. Whatever it was seems to be missing from him before has returned. He looks complete. And as he turns to the four of you with a wide smile, he shouts, Many more districts to visit! All aboard! Yeah, this one, this one's called the Whirlpool. And this throw and catch trick I got here, like this, see? I call this a jackknife. And when you really get this sign spinning, I'm telling you, it starts to feel a whole lot like a battle axe in your hand. Not that it hurt anyone. Get that kid who got walloped wandering into my zone of terror. Well, it sounds like you're really enjoying this new set of experiences, Storm. I do, however, think it's probably not a good idea to be spinning that sign while you're on camera. Oh, right. Anyway, 
Mr. Farfkin said that I'm the best natural mascot sign spinner he's ever had. Business is bumping and they're selling so many swords the whole town is going to have swords on their hips soon. What a beautiful world that would be. Well, maybe you found your true calling. <laughs> Very funny, Kip. Look, it's fun, and I get paid to make a doofus out of myself, which is a real treat. But let's face it, I could bust my hump on overtime in there for a month and still not make as much as I do in this leather chair for one day. But it's like my Nam Nam always said, you can't see the potatoes with your head in the clouds. You won't find them until you're down on the earth, and you won't get any if you don't get your fingers dirty. Huh, that's kind of poetic. Yeah, well, she's a potato farmer, Kip. Believe me, the tuber analogies get old. Anyway, I gave him my two weeks notice today. I have enough pocket coin to have some fun this week, get myself a couple of half-off swords if they don't sell them all, and then we'll be back to normal in no time. All in all, it's been pretty fun. Well, it sounds like you can turn in your sword costume with pride in a job well done. Turn it in? <laughs> no. No way. I'm not giving back the Clayton costume. That's, uh... I don't think that's how it works, Storm. Look. If Steve wants the costume back, he can come pry it from my cold, dead, sign-flipping fingers. I'm the best damn thing to ever happen to Clayton. I am Clayton. You hear me, Steve? I know you're watching, you little sheath weasel. Whoops, we got Storm a little worked up here, folks. Uh, join us next week as we see the sights and sounds of the Infinite City, alongside everyone's favorite hero rank team, the Mortal Dawn. What? You send me all the legal documents you want, Farkins? You think you can hurt a sword? You think you can sneak up on a sword in the middle of the night? Oh no, the sword sneaks up on you. No dungeon too deep, no quest too questionable. This is the League of Ultimate Questing. I am Clayton Reborn! Fuck yeah. God, I love this fucking guy. Holy <laughs> shit, That was some seriously Han Solo goddamn shit right there. Right. I was... Exactly. Oh my God. Well, that was a fun bar. I'm glad that it got down to like, and then turned back to, yeah. yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to try it out again and see if it, it, it works. Yeah. I played with several different mechanics of it, but it, it seemed fun. It is, yeah. it is a little more gripping than the skill classic challenge. skill challenge. The only thing I would be worried about is the possibility that you could just keep using your best stat over and over and over again. Sure. Sure. So if you can find a way around that. What I, I wanted to do was encourage diversity without enforcing it because mm. um, I, I think it would you, I would only use this for players I trust right I know one thing that it does do I, I was gonna get worried if nobody else did any buffs at right. the end it kind of locked me into buffs which is fine but if yeah nobody else did that that's the issue I saw sure mm. I was planning on buffing us until um, until RTM got his crit and dropped him to one hit point oh, left yeah. I was like yeah oh I could just finish them off yeah no reason not to. Mm -hmm. The one to chit point. It's time. a chit point, not a hit point. Alante, uh -huh. what's up? Oh, oh God! Um, hi guys. Hello. Hi. Keep it short and sweet. Hi. Oh, fine. Like my dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just learned so much about law right now. Mostly long. that he just dips his dick in honey. <laughs> I was gonna say long and salty. <laughs> Salty, why? <laughs> <laughs> no other world is it like this. <laughs> Chris goes first time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, thank you for being with us. Uh, we're going to go around the table and reintroduce ourselves. I'm Sam. I'm playing Arvid Ulfmund, the level 8 Drew Barb. 
I'm Michael. I'm playing Harthax, the level eight warlock. I'm Alante. I play Chris Grand, the heroic thruster. <laughs> yes. I'm Zach Marcus. I play Artyom Volkov, the cleric of sunlight and suffering. I'm also the technical director for Slapdap Studios and sometimes editor. And I want to thank Tori Christensen for doing such a great job of editing. No, I haven't thought Tori's. of a new Tori song yet, but I will really soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. you, Law. Yeah. Uh, my name's Law. <laughs> <laughs> Put the water down, Dungeon Master. <laughs> I'm thirsty, Law. Um, I am the Water Master of the League of Ultimate Quenching. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, and the creative director of Slapdash Studios. <laughs> sorry. Don't be sorry. Because uh, you guys do the awesomeness of putting, making sure the episodes get there every Monday. And they're, of course... Available wherever podcasts are, so be sure to check what iTunes and everything, and everything, all those great Google things. Google it, Google it, or just come to our, our website, the leq.com, and we'll point you all to the great places. They we will personally there. point you, yes, yes. You will I'll see Marcus a, just pointing at a you. picture of Zach pointing, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lock and Photoshop the arm to move to point at different links. Exactly. When you're, yeah, I mean, why not? We're just gonna volunteer a lot to do a bunch of fucking work, <laughs> not so I don't already do enough of that. Oh. I want to thank you guys for taking the time and listening to it. We we love you guys and we're so grateful for our listens. Please do share whenever you can to whomever you can. We want to keep growing. Of course, check our social media. You'll see all kinds of great stuff. Like we've been getting cool ass fan art. Like geez, so good. If you haven't seen, oh my god, I'm not even going to spoil it for you. Just make sure to check it out. Check our social media. Come to our website. Join our Discord. Get the party going. And if you like us even more, make sure to join Patreon and check out all the cool stuff there. Does anybody have any interesting or cool things they would like to share? I am, to the best of my knowledge at the time of this recording, still doing God's Fall with a rom. <laughs> that has not changed and uh, is unlikely to change. I've actually <laughs> forgotten to mention that Law and I do Twitch streams pretty regularly. We do a Pokemon Nuzlocke on Tuesday, uh, and I do yeah. whatever game I feel like playing from Monday through Thursday. Bu- 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 Buzzlock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I don't know about Buzzlock anymore. We're not drinking so much these no. days. Still okay. a fun name. Yeah. And yeah. I've been doing Lawcraft at night around 10 p.m. Oh. East Pacific Standard Time. That's right. There is a Slapdash Minecraft server, is there not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Join the Discord to get more information. Yeah. So we look forward to growing and questing together. Until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>